Well, good morning, everybody. My name's Scott, and I'm the senior pastor at Ward Church, and I want to welcome you on this first Sunday in Lent. Today's a special day. Not only is it the first Sunday in Lent, but several churches in our family of churches have committed the next six weeks to prayer and to learning about prayer. And so I want to welcome the congregation at Grace Chapel in Farmington Hills, joining us right now via a video feed. Good morning to you. Welcome. Yep. And uh, I want to say hello to the folks at 5.7 Church in Detroit and to your pastor, Brian Evans. Good morning to you as well. Yep. And then we have uh, representatives this morning from Abundant Mercy Church, a brand new church in Detroit. They're in the house today because their worship service is later in the afternoon. But uh, the pastor and a handful are here this morning doing double duty. Where are you, Pastor Josh Spires? Would you stand up? Where is he? Oh, there he is. Okay. Thank you, Josh, for being here today. Also, uh, North Oaks Community Church in Clarkston is not joining us for the video feed this morning, but they will be teaching through the Lord's Prayer this Lent in lockstep with the rest of us. So, uh, and, uh, and according to our count, we have uh, about 100 people watching from home this morning from seven different states and even someone watching from Germany. Guten Tag. Uh, yeah, so we gather in, uh, in different locations around our region and, uh, and world as brothers and sisters and as sons and daughters. And let me make a few introductions because you may not know or remember how we are all related. So uh, Grace Chapel in Farmington Hills is a daughter church of Ward Church. Way back in 1983, some pioneers from Ward Church went to start a new work in Farmington Hills. And, uh, and now that uh, Ward has about half a dozen daughter churches, depending on how you count. And Grace Chapel is our second oldest daughter and still looking fantastic at 37 years of age. And in fact, they're all grown up and have a couple daughters of their own. And when your daughters have daughters, what does that make Ward Church? grandparents. Thank you very much, Grace Chapel. And, uh, and then uh, about three years ago, we pulled together five pastors from our related churches, great group of guys. And these five pastors and their congregations all came together to help launch 5.7 on the east side of Detroit. And then 5.7 in many ways mentored uh, Josh Spires, a pastor who was sent out to start a brand new church in Detroit. And uh, in Abundant Mercy, the, the church that Josh and his team are starting, started public worship services last month. So they are the baby in the family. Yeah, and we're really proud, really proud of them. All that is to say is we are one family. We are one big, diverse, sometimes dysfunctional, generational family and it's a real honor to come together as a family in this Lenten season. That word Lent may or may not mean something to you, depending on how you grew up, but Lent is that 40-day period leading up to Easter Sunday, and it's typically a season of prayer and repentance and sacrifice. And I've encouraged our congregation, and I want to encourage all of you today, to lean into Lent this year, to carve out some time over these next 40 days to pray, to experiment with fasting, to read your Bible, to join a small group, because these next 40 days could be transformational. 
And during this series, we've set up an option where you can receive a daily prayer prompt to your phone via text uh, every day of Lent starting tomorrow. If you want to receive one of these daily prayer prompts, you text the word pray to this number. 248-965-4776. Text the word pray to that number. And starting tomorrow, every day in Lent, you will get a prompt to pray. And if you're not into texting or don't have that capability on your phone, uh, these, these are the same prompts that are in the back of your small group uh, curriculum guide that many of you already have. And it's also downloadable from our website. Well, let me ask this morning, by a show of hands, in wherever you are today, wherever you are, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever felt guilty about your prayer life? Like you don't pray enough or in the right ways or for the right things. Yeah, most of us have never been taught how to pray. And the good news is, over the next six weeks, we are going to be taught how to pray. And even better, we are bringing in the world-renowned expert on prayer to be our teacher and our guide. His name is Jesus. And we are going to sit under his teaching for these next six weeks. And I want you to understand what an extraordinary opportunity this really is. Imagine if you were a golfer and we got to bring to you Tiger Woods to coach you on your swing. Or if you're into fitness and we flew in Arnold Schwarzenegger to be your spotter. Or you're a novice investor and we brought in Warren Buffett, the oracle from Omaha, to give you some stock picking tips. We may have different hobbies and interests, but there's one thing I know about everybody gathered today. One thing I know is that you want to experience and know God. You, you would not be here if that were not true. And like the original 12 disciples, you and I recognize that no one had a relationship with God quite the way that Jesus did. That Jesus is uniquely equipped to teach about life with God. He was the master prayer. And when he prayed, he was filled with peace and power and purpose and grace. And when he prayed, things happened. Prayer marked his life. And there was this great moment recorded in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. It says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, and can you imagine everybody leaning in? What will the master of life say next? And what he said next has become one of the greatest treasures to the Christian church for 2,000 years. What he said next are some of the most amazing words ever spoken. And we're going to look at them over these next six weeks. The master prayer enrolled his disciples in the school of prayer, and he will do the same for you and me. So as we start this Lenten season, I encourage you to begin with a personalized prayer where you just pray, Lord, teach me to pray. Personalize it, Lord, teach me to pray. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he wasn't giving them words to be recited. He was giving them a framework that would open to them the door to life with God. Jesus wasn't just teaching about prayer. He was teaching about God and about God's kingdom. And some have said the Lord's Prayer is the most condensed version of a summary of the teaching of Jesus. 
The great church father Tertullian said about the Lord's Prayer, he said, in this prayer is comprised the epitome of the whole entire gospel. Tertullian also said the Lord's Prayer is a breath of fresh air. Jesus is telling people there is now a new way to relate to God. So let's kick off this series uh, by standing together wherever you are this morning and let's read aloud the Lord's Prayer all together at all of, our, all of our locations. And we will put on the screens this morning the words to the Lord's Prayer as they're found in Matthew's Gospel from the New International Version. And so the words may not line up exactly with the words that you have memorized, but you will be okay. Uh, this is our scripture reading for the day. So at the end of the reading, I will say, this is the word of the Lord. And if you would please respond by saying, thanks be to God. Let us now read aloud the words of Jesus, who said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Holy God, we thank you for the teachings of Jesus. Help us to receive these and be changed by them. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Well, we are going to work through this great prayer line by line over the next six weeks. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. And then he begins, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be your name. This first line tells us a great deal about the nature of prayer. It is very basic and very important to be clear on the who, where, and what of prayer. The who, where, and what of prayer. Who, where, and what. And we'll start with the who. Jesus teaches us to begin our prayer with the words, our Father. And this would have been a radical idea in its day. Nobody thought of God in that way. There are some Old Testament passages that refer to God as a father, as kind of a metaphor in a national sense. But no one had ever addressed God this way until Jesus did it. And Jesus uses the Aramaic word Abba, a very tender word, uh, something like the English word daddy, but not exactly because this is an adult word as well as a child's word, but a very tender word. And no one had ever come to God in prayer and called him that until Jesus did it right here. And not only does Jesus do it, but he invites us to do this as well. Why is this important? Because this is a statement of relationship. And nothing will change your prayer life than understanding our approach. You are praying not to an impersonal force or to a ghost or to the sky. You are praying to a personal being who loves you. The name you call someone reveals the relationship. My wife, Angie, is a preschool teacher, and some of you know her. She's seated right here. Uh, what you may not know is that Angie's name is not really Angie. Her first name is Estelle, 
middle name Phyllis slash Angela, Phyllis hyphen Angela, Estelle Phyllis Angela McKee. That's her legal name. Now, everybody calls her Angie. Most people call her Angie. Our children call her Mom. Her students and her students' parents call her Mrs. McKee. But if you call and ask for Estelle, I know that you do not really know my wife. You're probably a salesperson. Because what you call someone reveals the relationship, and relationship really matters. And Jesus said to call God Father. That reveals a relationship. Jesus was very concerned that people would be able to approach God with confidence, and so he addresses this in multiple parables. Uh, For example, uh, in Luke 11, Jesus teaches, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? You wouldn't do that. That's weird. Or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion, a rolled up scorpion looks like an egg in that day. You wouldn't do that. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I've told you before that I think of it uh, this way. Imagine two Girl Scouts are in my neighborhood selling cookies, and as they approach my door, they're contemplating their odds at making a sale. And one of the Girl Scouts says to the other, you know, and I've heard this homeowner is a pastor pastors are nice people and pastors we all know have a proclivity toward baked goods <laughs> I, think, I think we might score a sale here and the other girl says well I don't know pastors are also cheap and uh, you know he's probably not going to want to spend the money and they talk back and forth as they nervously approach my door and ring the doorbell now what do you think happened next I answered the door did I buy the cookies You bet I bought the cookies. And I can polish off a sleeve of thin mints in no time flat. What the girls did not know, what they could not have known, is that I always buy. I have have pre-decided, I have decided, I have a personal policy that if any child comes to my door selling anything, as long as it's reasonable, I will buy. Rather than make the decision on the porch step in real time, I have pre-decided that I always buy. And some of you and your kids and grandkids are going to be on my door this coming week. (laughs) Now, if those girls had known my personal policy... How would they have approached my door? Confidently. We can't lose. Now, change up the scenario one more time. Now these two Girl Scouts approaching my door are my nieces. What's their confidence level now? Jesus said, if you really understood who God is, if you really understood who you are, it would change the way you pray. You approach God as a father, and even earthly fathers, as imperfect as they are, they know the joy of giving good gifts to their kids. How much more your heavenly father? When you approach God, you're going to your father. That's the who. What about the where? Our father in heaven. Where is heaven? How far away is that in miles? Is it past Kalamazoo? 
Is it farther than the moon? When we think of heaven as somewhere out there in outer space, uh, we tend to think of God as being distant and remote. And sometimes our language betrays us on this. Even in church services, we'll sometimes say, God, we now enter your presence. Well, where, where were you before you said that? Were you outside of God's presence? Isn't God everywhere? You, you've heard the old story about the guy that was afraid to fly in an airplane, and his pastor said to him, hey, don't worry, planes are very safe. And besides, Jesus promised in the Bible that he would be with you always. And the guy said, well, no, no, I've got the King James Bible. And there Jesus said, lo, I am with you always. <laughs> That's where I'm staying, lo. That's an old one. The Greek word for heaven is the word uranos. That's where we get the word for the planet, Uranus. comes from the same word. And here in the Lord's Prayer, the word is plural. It's heavens. And this word heavens, literally the line is our Father, the one in the heavens. And this word heavens can be used in a variety of ways. It can mean sky. It can mean atmosphere. And it can mean the air that's all around us. The air that we breathe. And I wonder if Jesus didn't have this sense in mind. That when you say our Father who is in the heavens... You're not saying our Father from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. You're saying our Father who is all around me. Our Father who is closer than the air that I breathe. Our Father who is right here, right now. God is with me and goes with me wherever I go. I like to pray, I like to talk to God when I walk. When I walk around my neighborhood, when I walk in this little strip of woods at the back of my neighborhood that's become a very special place for me, I, I walk and I talk to God. And I've learned that I can walk and talk simultaneously. <laughs> some of you might be surprised by that, but I've learned how to do that. And some of you say, well, don't, don't you kneel when you pray? Uh, nope. Uh, I tried that once, and I made it about halfway around the block, and I had to get up. My knees hurt so bad. Uh, <laughs> I will sometimes pray and walk and I, and I talk to God aloud sometimes, which really frightens the neighbors when I'm all by myself and saying, you don't love me anymore, and they, and they clear the, the sidewalk to let me pass right through. Uh, the point is, you don't need to pray just at prayer time. You know this. You don't need to pray just in your prayer place. You can talk with God anytime, anywhere. You can pray while walking while grocery shopping, while driving, while cleaning, while working, and your whole day can become an ongoing conversation with the Almighty. And I wonder if that's what the Apostle Paul had in mind when he wrote, pray without ceasing. Pray continually. Because God is closer than the air that you breathe. God is right here, right now. So the who... Our Father, who loves us and cares about us, wants the best for us. The where, God is with you right now, closer than the air you breathe. And then the what, what should we pray? Well, listen, there is no concern of yours, no matter how small, that God does not care about. But Jesus teaches us to begin our prayer, hallowed be your name. 
Now you remember that in Bible times, names were very important. A name is a reflection of who that person is. And to hollow means to attach appropriate value to. It's to give honor, to recognize something's worth. I think of that TV show, The Antique Road Show. Have you seen that show? Where people bring in stuff they got from their basement or from grandma's house or they found in a garage sale and an expert comes in and tells them what that thing is really worth and sometimes it is shocking that that little piece of something that they were about to throw away is worth tens of thousands of dollars. Sometimes people have something really valuable and they do not recognize it. And this is supremely true of God. We live in a world where God's name gets profaned or at least spoken casually millions of times every day all around the world. And Jesus says to make your very first prayer request, hallowed be the name of our God. This is not just about cussing or using the Lord's name in vain. It's broader than that. Dallas Willard translates this line this way, may your name be treasured and loved. May your name, God, be treasured and loved. May I and other people recognize how worthy you are. And there's an inward and an outward aspect to this Halloween work. First, outward, uh, we pray, God, hallowed be your name throughout the Detroit metropolitan area. Right? May your name be treasured and loved throughout our region and around this world. And there's inward aspect. We pray, God, hallowed be your name in me. May I realize how worthy you are. May I not take your name for granted, Lord. May I be someone who bears your name well. Hallowed be your name in my life. I was getting some tires last week, and the guy at the counter took my credit card, and he said, oh, hey, that's, that's interesting. I have a very good friend named Scott McKee, same name. And I was finding it interesting to meet someone or hear about someone with the same name that I have. Uh, the first time I encountered this was many years ago, uh, and uh, I, we just moved to a new town, and I learned there was a Scott McKee in this town that I just moved to. This was uh, so long ago. This was a day when, you had, when we had phones in our houses, and, and they were attached to walls. Remember that? And I got some calls that were for the wrong person. And I, I was so interested in this that I, I, I called the guy. I was really excited about this. I, I called him, and a lady answered the phone. And I said, uh, she said, hello? And I said, yes, is Scott McKee there? And she said, may I ask who's calling? <laughs> You're not going to believe this. I said, but my name is also Scott McKee. She said, okay. <laughs> and then a man came to the phone. He said, hello? Hey, Scott. My name is also Scott McKee. Yeah? (laughs) And we have the same name. And we live in the same town. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And I just moved to town, and I've been getting calls that I think are for you. Yeah? So I thought if someone called me looking for you, if, if you want me to, I will give them your number. All right. And maybe if you get calls for me, you could, you could give them my number. Okay. <laughs> Clearly, he was not as interested in this as I was. And, and I don't know what I was expecting. I didn't think we'd be best friends or anything. But 
I thought maybe we'd have coffee a few times, and I don't know what I, I was so disappointed uh, that he was so uh, not interested. And then I, then after being disappointed, I got a little mad. I thought, look, if you're going to wear the name, <laughs> at least pretend to be interesting. <laughs> right? Wear the name well. One of the great mysteries of God is that he has allowed his name to be attached to his people. Those of us who bear his name are a reflection of the character of God in the eyes of a watching world. So wear his name well. When you pray, say, Our Father, I come to you as a child who bears your name. And I am resolved to the best of my ability to live every moment in such a way that you would sign your name to my day. May my life never bring shame to your name. Hallowed be your name in my life. And hallowed be your name by every creature on planet earth. May everyone come to hallow your name and to recognize your worth. Jesus has much more to teach us about prayer in the weeks to come. Today is just a beginning. Who? Our Father who loves us and delights in us. Where? He's all around me. He's closer than the air that I breathe. What? That this whole world would come to treasure God and honor God starting with me. In just a moment, we're going to turn to the Lord's Supper. And I can think of no better way to begin our Lenten season or to start a series on the Lord's Prayer than by coming together to the table of our Lord. Communion is being served in all of our churches today. And let this be one more reminder to us that we are one. Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we come together as one church. By this holy meal, bind us once more to your Son and to one another. Meet us in the breaking of bread and the taking of the cup. In the weeks ahead, God, teach us to pray like Jesus. Teach us to love and to live as he did. And may your great name be hallowed in us and in our world. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And everybody said, amen.